Tell me your secret. One of my friends was really good at getting illegal firecrackers. So uh, after 4th of July one year, we took an M80 and dropped that sucker in a porta potty and watched it explode. Oh my God. Hi, my name is Molly, and I was dishonorably discharged from the military, but nobody really knows that. What led to Molly's dishonorable discharge, and exactly how she's able to keep it a secret, is our story today. How many people know your secret? Maybe just two or three. There's some I had to tell for logistical reasons, but outside of that, almost nobody. My older brother knows. The reasons for that will come out later. Okay. My fiancé knows. He was the only one who I was really talking to and telling the truth about things. Molly's story is complicated, though, because she didn't really want to enlist in the first place. The environment at home became more and more toxic. After having talked to a recruiter, I just said, you know what, ship me off as soon as you can. But where she ended up wasn't all that great, either. I think if there was purgatory, it would probably be the room that they put us in. Molly's ready to share her story now. When did, when did this happen? It's a couple years ago. So this is still pretty fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Molly, it's Ben. Hey, how are you? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> nice to connect with you. Yeah. You're listening to The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Molly, welcome to The Secret Room. Thanks for having me, Ben. You're welcome. It's great great to have you here. How old were you when this secret happened? My 21st birthday was actually while I was there waiting to go home. I come from a family with a lot of military people. Both my grandfathers were in the military. My older brother's in the military. My younger brother has always wanted to be in the military and actually now is. There was a lot of idealization of it. It was cool. That's what you wanted to do. And for the longest time, I thought it's what I wanted to do. And when I hit puberty, I kind of realized it wasn't. Um, but my mom never forgot that I had said that I wanted to. Yeah, until I was probably 12 or 13. What happened then to make you change your mind? I think I just got to the point where I realized that there were other options and other ways to be cool and to serve my community. And I think I also realized that it was harder than it looked. So why did you join? I have a lot of student debt and didn't even finish school. And so I ended up having to move back in with my mom. And when she saw that I didn't have a lot of direction because I didn't have a degree, and kind of just floating around, she decided that would be the way that I could get an education. Yeah, that's great. So it's, it's a great option. <laughs> it is for someone wow. who wants to join the military, um, right. <laughs> which I definitely did not. I was consistently told, this is your only option. This is your only choice. And the environment at home became more and more toxic. After having talked to a recruiter, I just said, you know what? Ship me off as soon as you can. Just get me out of here at the next possible opportunity. Just to play the devil's advocate just a little bit, I guess your mom was, you know, concerned about you, the direction your life was going, and 
probably from her point of view, strongly encouraging you to do the right thing. Yes, and she really didn't want me to shack up with my boyfriend, who's now my fiancé. And so what was the application process like when you were talking to the recruiters? Of course, you have to fill out all the information about you and your family and everywhere you've ever lived. And when I went and filled out the survey of things like, do you have ingrown toenails? Do you have depression? Do you get motion sickness? My recruiter said to me, only fill out things you've been medically treated for. If you haven't been medically treated for something, don't put that on there because then they're going to require you to get doctor's notes and tests and all sorts of things proving it. Were you thinking at this point, maybe I could put some things down on this application that will disqualify me so I just don't have to go through with this at all? I more thought I need to go because I knew that my mother would be angry or upset if she thought I was disqualified for something that she saw as ridiculous. Did you fill everything out truthfully on your application? I did to the extent that I only put things I was medically treated for. But that's not actually what they're asking. They're asking, tell us everything that's ever happened to you. Had you been treated for your mental health prior to your application? I had not. But there was a mental health condition? I had definitely had troubles as an adolescent with feelings of depression and things a little bit more serious than that. I had always had struggles with my mother not believing me. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity open to me to seek treatment. And any time I had mentioned it to her, she had definitely downplayed it. And a lot of it, I think, came from my relationship with her was not very healthy. There was a place where you should have disclosed that? Yeah, they have a whole slew of questions of, have you ever struggled with attention? Have you ever struggled with depression? Have you ever struggled with self-harm? Have you ever thought of self-harm? A whole slew of suicide questions, a whole slew of questions about anxiety, basically anything you could think of that would make you not the most effective soldier possible. And the military has a huge issue with suicide. So they take any questions that have to do with anxiety or depression or self-harm or suicide very, very seriously. And so the recruiter had misled you in a way. Yes. So I didn't answer yes to any of those questions. I was shipped out within a month. We took most of the day on a plane, and that's after spending most of the day in processing. So you spend the night at a hotel the night beforehand, and then you get up before five o'clock, and then you are there all day filling out paperwork and waiting in line and going through another physical examination. And then from there, you have to get on a plane and everybody's too anxious to sleep. And then we had to take two flights. We got to the base for basic training after midnight. And then from there, they put us on a bus. And then from there, they put us directly into processing and we were not finished until after 7 a.m. So I was awake for more than 24 hours before I even got out of the processing area. Sounds exhausting. I think all of us were a little delirious. There were parts where we're just sitting in this big auditorium hall. Everyone's filling out paperwork, and if you finish early, you can't sleep. 
it's dead silent because you're not allowed to talk to each other except for the scratching of pencils. If you fall asleep, someone's going to come over and do that full military screaming like you see in movies because this is your first impression of basic training. So they're trying to be as scary as possible. I was having second thoughts a lot. Right before you leave, you have to say an oath and it says, I'm doing this of my own free will. When I said that, I faltered a little bit and I thought to myself, not really, because it didn't feel like it was my own free will. I definitely felt pressured. When you're released into your units, you go to fill out even more paperwork, including a mental health survey. These ones were a lot more specific to depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicidal ideations and actions. And also questions like, were you in special ed classes in school to try and judge if you had ever been seen as less than mentally competent? Hmm, interesting. Did you hear that recruiter in the back of your head when you were looking at this form again? Like, hmm, I'm not supposed to answer anything that I haven't been treated for. This is where I messed up. I was just so tired because I hadn't slept well the night before. My boyfriend had snuck into the hotel room to spend the night with me. And I just remember just sobbing the night beforehand. And so did not sleep well the night before and then had spent all day awake through processing, had been traveling, spent all night awake through processing. And when I got to this point, I could barely keep my eyes open. I think everybody was falling asleep while taking this survey. And so she said, all of these surveys are confidential. And somehow in my head, confidential became anonymous, which doesn't make any sense when you're awake. But when you haven't slept in a couple days, it suddenly, of course it does. And so I answered every question truthfully, which became an immediate red flag because they're so, so careful with this because of soldier suicides. How long did it take for them to get back to you about your answers? Probably two days. How did they approach you about this? They let a couple of us know that there was an appointment that we had to go to, and it involves a lot of waiting. I think if there was purgatory, it would probably be the room that they put us in. So you go, it's, Ben, it's this windowless room with fluorescence. There's computers in front of you, but you can't turn them on. You don't have a book. You're not allowed to write. You don't have your cell phone, but they have a TV. <laughs> but the TV is uh -huh. only allowed to play midday HGTV. Like the Home Improvement Network, all day is just like House Hunters and Tiny House, Big Life, whatever that one with Chip and Joanna is, where they're just fighting uh -huh. and bickering while renovating houses. Okay. And you'll be in this room with people from several different branches and in different stages of their military career. And you'll be there for three or four hours, sometimes more than five, just sitting there and waiting. And you never really know what you're waiting for. How all this leads to Molly's dishonorable discharge and how she manages to keep it a secret is coming up. And now back to Molly, who's been waiting and waiting and waiting for her appointment. So Molly, what is what is going through your mind at this time? Are you starting to put some of these pieces together or was it all just a, a big mystery? It's definitely feeling very anxious. I wrote my mom a letter while I was sitting in there telling her that things were going well 
We had to get up and call every half hour to let our unit know we were still there and we had wandered off and gone AWOL. You got called in. What would they say? They kind of went over each individual question that had caused concern. I felt like I just had to own it. And so I went in and I answered all their questions honestly. And this guy was, it just got to the point where there wasn't any question that I wasn't qualified for military service. And when I got back out and I met up with the other girls in my unit, they all said, oh no, like, I actually answered questions correctly and then I just told them it was a mistake. They were all more committed to the lie and I didn't feel comfortable lying to someone's face like that. You know, sometimes it does feel like it's my fault because if I had just lied on these things, but lying in the military is something that's very serious. I would have had to continue to lie about this for my whole military career. Right. And it becomes more serious the longer it is. Well, they certainly want and expect you to tell the truth, so that's what you did. Mm Mm-hmm. So after a few days, I got let know I had another appointment, and I had to take a buddy with me, because you can't go anywhere by yourself. Why Why is that? I think it's to help prevent people from going AWOL and wandering places where they're not supposed to. And it's that way in the field as well. You don't go places by yourself. And part of that is for safety. Because if you're out in a combat situation, you have to have somebody to help take care of you and call for help if you're injured or killed. So you and and your buddy go back to the mental health services building and you wait again, I presume? Wait and wait. And this time I was definitely nervous. I knew what it was for this time. And I knew that this meeting wasn't going to be an easy one. I explained that a lot of it stemmed from the toxic environments I was in at home, that things were not always good. She had said if I wanted to move in with my boyfriend, that she would take my car and she wouldn't let me have my cat or any of the things that were in her house. It would just be me and whatever I was wearing, which I think is enough to make anyone feel a little hopeless. After our interview, she told me to hang tight for a minute. She went and talked to a supervisor and she came back and she said that I was going to have to leave the military. Wow. She did explain to me that it would be an entry level separation. So instead of being listed as being kicked out it was listed as I just wasn't qualified for training from the beginning so it doesn't show up in any background checks it doesn't pop up if I ever put have you been discharged from the military like there is on job applications sometimes I put no when you submitted your secret you referred to it as a dishonorable discharge but is it in fact a dishonorable discharge even though it's not listed that way it's an entry-level separation for purposes on the outside. But if I were to try and go into another branch, it would be listed as a dishonorable discharge, entry-level separation based on fraudulent enlistment. So what happens is that she told me that I had to leave the military. And I just remember being in shock. It didn't feel real. They have to ask you a bunch of questions like, well, where will you go? 
when you leave and what will you do and trying to just keep tabs to make sure they're not throwing you out to be homeless or something like that. You remember it so vividly. I was there for nearly two weeks of just sitting and waiting and you can't make any phone calls. You can make a phone call saying that you're leaving. Both my mom's phone and my boyfriend's phone went to voicemail. How did the word finally come down? You have a meeting um, before you leave where you're given your paperwork. It's a bunch of military jargon, but it'll say, like, entry-level separation, and then it gives the reason. And the reason was fraudulent enlistment. Wow. I had been told it would be a different code, something medical. And when I saw that, it was almost like a ton of bricks because that's a very serious reason for discharge is fraudulent enlistment. Sure. Doesn't sound too good. They said that if you want to put your recruiter in the wrong, you have to have an interview with them. They'll set you up on a phone interview and you have to say that they were wrong and they're the ones who made you do this and they'll lose their jobs and they'll lose their retirement and their medical and everything. And I knew my recruiter was married, he had a son, and I wasn't going to do that to him because I didn't tell the truth initially. Did you ever talk to him about that? I never spoke to him again after I left. And I know he was the kind of person who really wanted to know how people turned out, but I just didn't want anything to do with it after I got home. And I didn't want to tell him, hey, I lied and I messed with your stats. Because they get, they get a bonus for everybody that makes it through BASIC. But you lied because of his encouragement to answer the questions a certain way. I don't know if he was talking just about like physical things like motion sickness or ingrown toenails or allergies. Or if he was talking about the mental health things too because I answered those no from the get-go. I see. So you may have misunderstood his intent. Yeah, very possibly. So you're told you're being discharged and you see the reason. You know, did you challenge that at all or did you just accept it, go back to your bunk, pack up and get out of there? I pushed a little bit and then that's Mm -hmm. when they said that if it's anything with fraudulent enlistment and you think it's your recruiter's fault, you have to go through this process. If there's any other reason for fraudulent enlistment, it's just because you're a liar. And so since it contradicted my original paperwork, that was it. And that means that I can't re-enlist in this branch again. And some branches won't accept me. There's maybe one other one that would if I went through a whole mental health screening clearing process and could show that I'd been seeing a therapist for a certain amount of time and then having them clear me as well. I know you don't want to go through that again, Molly. No, definitely not, Ben. Yeah. When you're told that you're going to be discharged, you must have had such a flood of emotion. It was such a relief. What happens is you'll hear your name said over an intercom, probably after breakfast and chores, which involve things like sweeping the cement by where we would line up every morning. They would give a couple names and those people would just run down. Because when you have that name, you're done fighting your case and you're just ready to go home and you've been waiting. Yeah. 
so your secret is that you were dishonorably discharged and it was because you lied on your mental health survey in the recruitment office. Yeah. You know, when you got back home, what did you tell people was your reason for being discharged? I was actually really lucky in a backwards kind of way. I had had an anaphylactic reaction probably three days before I left. I had it to a wasp sting, which is something that can be disqualifying if it's for certain things. It was kind of a freak incident. It flew through the gap in my window air conditioning in the wall and got tangled in my blankets while I was taking a nap. I ended up having to go to the hospital and I told my recruiter and he said, just don't tell anybody because doing the paperwork would cause my ship date to be pushed back. I would potentially have to go through allergy testing out of pocket. So that is a legitimate reason for being discharged? It would be if they had known about it. So because your mom thought you were discharged for the allergy, that can be overturned sometimes. And so she had hope that you could return to the military? Yes. And so my mom was really pushing for me to go back. She told my older brother what had happened. And she actually sent an email to the commander of the processing area trying to like get this taken care of for me. She told my older brother because he was, he was a captain in another branch. She told him and was trying to get him to pull strings for me and put in good word and was really trying to get me to be able to go back. I had to get in touch with my brother very quickly and tell him the truth. And he said, are you okay? And I was like, I think so. He's like, no, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. Not having to join the military is a good thing. And I know I didn't really want to go. My brother was really understanding and he said that he would help my mom kind of adjust and get her to stop freaking out so much. So your brother has kept your secret for you? He has. And we don't talk about it, we don't mention it, but I know that he's definitely gonna keep that for me. Right. <laughs> Do you think you might tell him about this interview? Probably not. He's got a lot going on right now. He's expecting a baby, so this is, this is not on his radar. There must have been a, a turning point for your mom, because obviously you didn't re-enlist. So when I came back for a while, she was pushing me to re-enlist. And when I was trying to tell her it really wasn't an option, she's finally started to relent a little bit and actually help me move my life the direction I wanted it to be instead of pushing me to join the military. Must have been very disappointing for her. She really wanted to have all of her children be in the military. I know it's a big source of pride for her that both of my brothers are. And so, so what are you doing now? I know you're engaged. She finally stopped pushing that and she started listening to what I wanted. And so she relented and helped me get my things together to move in with my boyfriend. And I am hopefully going back to school. I still have all that debt, but I now have a job that is able to start paying that down. And my fiance is helping with that too. So finally moving in a direction where I feel more in control and like it's a little bit more sustainable for what I want to be doing. Do you think that, you know, this whole adventure was necessary to get you on this track? What would life have been like if you if you hadn't done it? I think it was necessary for my mom. I think that it definitely made her look at me 
not as like someone who should join the military to pay for school. It made her look at me as what my qualifications are and what I can be doing and what I actually want to be doing. So you've kept this a secret from everyone in your life except for those absolute closest to you. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to tell your secret today? I wanted to tell somebody. It feels good to tell somebody and not have it be where they're trying to push me to go back. Because anytime I mentioned I was in the military for two weeks, they say, oh, like, why don't you go back? And having to like explain that versus being present where I am is difficult. I still want to talk about it because it was something that definitely changed the way I look at things. When you spend two weeks just sitting in a room on linoleum floor staring at the ceiling, it definitely changes the way that you look at things. Looking back on all this, is, is there anything that you can take from it? Is there something, you know, something that you learned? When I thought I was going, I kind of just didn't care about burning bridges. And then when I came back, I realized that I still needed those connections. I still needed my job and I still needed some of the relationships that I didn't necessarily want to have. And so even when you think you're leaving, it's important to keep options open because you never know when you have to backtrack. Sounds like good advice. <laughs> good lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Well, Molly, thank you so much for telling your story today. Thanks for having me. Molly's ended up in a good space. She's engaged to her forbidden boyfriend, the man who stuck by her through her ordeal. Also, her relationship with her mom is on the mend, and she's getting her life sorted out and can now do what she wants to do. And she's not in the military. This was a necessary journey for her mom, as she points out. But I think that Molly gained a lot too. She sent some great pictures to share. First up, take a look at her dishonorable discharge, DD Form 212. It says, fraudulent entry into military service in black and white. Also, a picture of the combat boots she was issued for basic training. They look brand new. See them now on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Secret Room Pod. Next time on The Secret Room. Hello. I'm calling from Amsterdam, Netherlands. A young woman facing incurable cancer has a story to share. I am the mother of a little girl. A secret she's bound by law to keep, but freed by death to tell. Her father is a very famous um, American actor. A non-disclosure agreement she signed prevents her from ever revealing the father's name. What will she do? Come back in two weeks for Mila's story. I'd like to invite you to take our summer survey. Answer as many or as few questions as you like. There's even a space for feedback on the show. We'd love to hear from you. 
Find a link in the show notes and at secretroompod.com. I'm so glad you could join us for this edition of the podcast, and I hope you'll come back next time and that you'll bring a friend. You can invite all your pals when you like, share, and follow our Facebook page, where we have images for all our episodes. We're on Instagram and Twitter, too. All handles are Secret Room Pod. I submitted my story at your website. And you can, too. I know you've got a burning secret to tell. Everyone does. And the Secret Room is here, waiting for you. It's anonymous, so why not give us a whirl? Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Great. Credit also to producer Susie Lark and to the Street Secret team for collecting the bite-sized secrets that open the show every single time. This is The Secret Room, a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. Pod on. Pod on. Pod on.